Good morning, church. Let's stand to our feet. Hope you're glad to be here this morning. Let's begin by worshiping.
Guys, we're, we're glad you're here this morning. We're, we're glad that uh, you came here to, to worship with us this morning. We're going to keep singing two more songs, but before we do, say hello to someone around you.
Psalm 34 tells us that when the righteous cry out, that the Lord hears them. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So this morning, I don't know where you are, what's going through your your heart. The Lord delivers the righteous through all of the afflictions that we go through. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that gives you hope. This morning, I want to spend a few moments and, and pray for those in Florida that the Lord just extends grace and, and watches over the people that are, are, that are left there and uh, the effects that it's going to happen. Uh, we've, Tanner's brother is in Tampa right now. That's where they live. And a couple other people in our church have family there. So we definitely want to just ask the Lord to, to make provisions for them and, and watch over them. And so if you will, pray with me. Father, Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we know that you control the wind, you control the rain. Uh, so, Lord, in this moment, Lord, as, as the, the winds and the hurricane uh, moves over Florida, Lord, I pray that you would watch over those who are left there. Lord, thank you for the ones who are able to evacuate, and I pray that as they go back, Lord, whatever they're left to go back to, Lord, that you would give them hope. Lord, send people to relief, to bring relief to the communities that are going to be affected and are going to need to be rebuilt. Lord, we understand that everything in this life passes away. Lord, I pray that we would be anchored to you and your word. Lord, give them hope. Lord, help us as a church be able to reach out to them. Lord, in the days ahead. Lord, we love you, and again, we're just grateful for the grace that how you pursue us with your love. And so again, Lord, we just want to pray and, and ask for your protection, that you would watch over them. But Lord, for your name's sake and for your glory, Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. You can take a seat for a moment. My name's Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors here. If, if you're new to North Star, or maybe this is your first time, or you've been here a few times, I want to encourage you in this moment to take the opportunity to grab the handout that's in the, that you received when you walked in here. On the bottom portion, there's an opportunity for you to fill out a few information for us. And so in a few moments, as we collect our tithes and offerings, you'll have the opportunity to drop that in the bucket as it passes. Uh, we hope that we can connect with you. And that's one of our, our aims is to help people connect to a, a growing relationship with Christ, a, a relationship that's flourishing and growing and maturity and discipleship, but then also with each other and within the body of Christ. There's strength that comes from that. And so that's, that's our aim in that. We hope to be able to connect with you. Uh, I want to just pray and ask the Lord to, to bless the time that we have together again and as we collect these tithes and offerings. So pray with me. Father God, again, we just come to you grateful. Lord, grateful for the opportunity to, to join together with the body of Christ this morning to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would take honor in that. Lord, as we continue to sing, as we give back, Lord, we recognize that everything that we have is from you. And so as we give, Lord, I pray that you would take honor and that you would bless that. Lord, advance your kingdom here uh, through that. Lord, as we sing, as we hear from your word, Lord, give us wisdom and clarity uh, to hear from you today. Lord, we love you again, and we're grateful. It's all in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This last song is it's called Glimmer in the Dust. It's from Hillsong United's newest album, and I encourage you, you know, we're going to play it right here, but I encourage you sometime this week to, to go back and, and to listen to that song. Glimmer in the dust. The song is kind of playing on a, a couple of different metaphors based in 1 Corinthians 13, which sums up the whole song by saying that even as followers of Christ, we still don't have everything figured out. 
But one day we will see in God's glory that, that he has been here, right here the whole time, constantly working and working in and around our lives, little by little, piece by piece. And if you get to the end of the chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it makes mention of the, the three things that last forever, faith, hope, and love, love being the greatest. And that's our prayer uh, today, that, that we would believe in that truth, that his love never fails, and that we would let his love take over. You guys stand and sing with me. Just a part, but 
together. You guys can be seated. Lord, we believe in you right now that, that your love never fails. And, and so we help us to, to have that constant reminder that your love never, never fails. Lord, as we get ready to dive into your word, teach us this morning. And we love you and thank you. And it's your name we pray. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Well, I'm glad you guys are well. Um, Many of you, you may not have known that I was going to be up here talking today, but I'm super happy that you guys joined us this morning. Um, This is the final week of our series on assurance. We've been taking a journey through the book of 1 John, uh, and Andrew's done a great job of leading us up until this point. Uh, Week one, we got an overview of the, the book of 1 John, uh, just an overarching look, and, uh, and then we looked at fellowship and what it means to, to, to come together in fellowship, and then uh, we looked at walking in darkness uh, and, and taking the step out of darkness, uh, and last week we talked about loving the world, or not loving the world, and shooing off idolatry, um, and so today um, we're going we're gonna to be in 1 John chapter 4, um, so if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, uh, you can go ahead and turn there. So, kind of to review a little bit of what Andrew said and, and kind of laid before us, okay? Uh, John was writing the book of, of 1 John as a letter. Uh, he was writing it to the Christians uh, that were in the, in the western part or the eastern part of the world, which was called uh, uh, West Asia at the time. It's uh, likely it was the church at, in Ephesus. Uh, he was writing to them because they were a church that was being uh, bombarded and influenced by false teachers. And so he was writing to them to offer them joy. Um, he was offering them peace. Uh, and most importantly, assurance of their faith uh, in what they believe. And so because we as a, as a church today, as an overarching church, um, we experience false teachers uh, and, and, and many things like people telling us, uh, incorrect information all the time, and uh, we are we are greatly benefited by reading uh, the writings of First John. So um, glad we're going to get to do that today. Um, the essence of assurance is love, and the source of love for us is God. So turn with me, look at me, or look at uh, verse seven, if you will, First John chapter four. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another." For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us, so that we have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray before we dig into that this morning. God, I thank you for uh, allowing us to come here this morning to look at your word and to to examine it. Um, But Lord, thank you for the truths that you reveal to us. I just ask that uh, in this this difficult time for our country, Lord, that you would just um, give us assurance this morning and and remind us of the things that Paul or that John was teaching us uh, as we uh, are believers and, and followers of you. And we are seeking and, and, and looking for assurance, Lord. Let us be assured uh, by God's word this morning. So God, speak to our hearts this morning. We love you. We thank you in your holy name. Amen. All right. Before we dig in a little bit, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Hopefully, it will help set up some of what we're going to be talking about today and illustrate um, a little bit close to, uh, to what John was saying here. Okay, so um, start off with a little boy. Uh, he was 12 years old, um, and this boy uh, had recently moved to a new town. Uh, this town was near some water, and uh, with water comes bridges uh, and lots of uh, interesting experiences for somebody that's not used to that. Um, now, this little kid was afraid. He was scared of, of many things. He was afraid of heights. He was afraid of, of high speeds. He was afraid of roller coasters. Um, how many out there are afraid of roller coasters? There's no shame in being afraid of a roller coaster. Uh, this kid was um, was a scaredy cat, okay? And uh, in this town with all these many bridges that he lived in, um, wasn't such a huge fan of bridges. Uh, in fact, he, uh, he oftentimes would close his eyes during trips over bridges and drives that would, would take them over bridges. Well, in this area that he lived, there was one bridge in particular that was especially tall uh, and very, very, uh, very dominating. It was called the Skyway Bridge. Now, the Skyway Bridge took you from one body of land to the other. Uh, it was the only way to cross this body of water, and so um, it, was, it was heavily trafficked. Um, and it was obviously a very safe bridge. It was designed very well, but that didn't make the, the little boy feel any better. And so... Um, he refused on his family's trip and their efforts to get him to go over the bridge, he refused to ride in a vehicle that was driving over the bridge. As, he, as his family uh, took the trip over, he sat with his mom at the base of that bridge uh, and waited for them to come back. See, many years passed and he had ample opportunities to do this and to take a step and, and, and ride over this bridge, but he refused. Um, but one day there was... There was a, uh, a trip that he wanted to take. And the only way to get to the other side and go where he was wanting to go, he had to cross that bridge. And so, without much thought, he, he did it and immediately regretted the decision. He, uh, he began to doubt all of a sudden the ability for his father to properly drive the vehicle. Um, it was a Uh, irrational fear that he had that all of a sudden his dad who up until that point in his life he had never had any reason not to trust on the roads just the fear that that they were just going to drive off the side of the bridge I don't know uh, you know how that sort of thing happens but uh, but all of these fears began to flood him he doubted the father's his dad's ability to get him safely across the bridge 
Um, today, I want you to take that mindset, okay, of a scared little kid that is full of doubt and full of fear that keeps him from, from taking the next step or doing the next thing. Um, and, and we're going to look at First John chapter 4 today. Um, the essence of our assurance is love. John, in verses 7 and 8, he said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, love completes this picture, and it completes the, um, the image of a life that has fellowship with God. A life without love cannot have relationship with God. Love is not a precondition of a relationship with God. Okay, that's important to, to note. You don't have love. You don't have the ability to love like this in this way before you know God. Okay? Love is a consequence of knowing God and, and growing in relationship with Christ. God's presence within us enables Christians, us as believers, to love in a way that otherwise would not be present. The person that lacks love shows that they don't have the indwelling presence of God in their hearts. They, they show themselves to be unchanged by the gospel message. And the gospel message is one of sacrificial love and of love that is not common for, for people today especially. So how do we love? Okay, if we don't have the ability to love as humans, what can we look to as an example of how to love? I think it's easy. Uh, we can look at one person. Uh, his name is Jesus. And he gives us the perfect example of how to love. Jesus went to places that nobody went. He met people that would have been detestable or would, would have been considered gross or disgusting. He went to people that had disease and famine and issues. He went to people that weren't liked and that he wouldn't have agreed with their lifestyle. He didn't run away from conflict. He met those people where they were. I'm thinking specifically of the example of the woman at the well, where he would have gone to a person that by today's standards would have been considered unclean. Are we loving people the way that Jesus loved people? Are we allowing the love that God had on our lives to affect how we love other people? Do we love only people that look just like us? Do we love people that are in the same social or economic status as us? Or are we taking a step out there and loving people that look different than us? Are we, are we being vessels of, of unity? Or are we being a vessel of division? Do we care for the orphan? Do we care for the widow, the people that are in need, that are facing oppression, um, whether it be um, financial issues or, uh, or issues that are uh, based on societal views of you or, or of them? How do we take the step to you know, get rid of the pride that we carry and, and, and seek reconciliation for those people that we don't agree with? Are we quick to listen and slow to speak with our family, our coworkers, or the people that we have a lot of trouble liking sometimes? The question we need to ask is, does the way that you live reflect the glory of God? And that question brings us to the point that John was trying to make next. Verses 9 through 10 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. <laughs> See, God's love is not some abstract idea that can't be figured out. Um, God literally made his love manifest in the life of Jesus. Jesus was a perfect person. He was uniquely God and uniquely person or human. He had no sin and he had no right to be considered a criminal. Yet he faced the punishment for us. On the cross, he bore our sin, the sin that we committed took on all of the wrath and the divine punishment 
that we deserved, took it upon himself, and willingly gave up his life. He did this so that we would have access to the Father. Jesus died and and bore that wrath so that we would have an opportunity to have a relationship with the God that created us. When God sees the life of a believer, somebody that has given their life to, to, to God, when he sees that life, he doesn't see the things that they did wrong. He doesn't see a life that was ruined. Instead, he sees the love of Christ. That is what the love of God looks like. The life of Jesus is the ultimate example of how we're supposed to love, but it has a lot more to it than that. It has, it has a lot more than just an idea of love. The love that we display when we live our lives, that is an embodiment of the love of God that others would not be able to see otherwise. In verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives is evidence to people that that God is real. God is is not just a myth. He is actually a, a, a real person that loves them. It's evidence that we are not only abiding in God, but that God lives and abides in us. Assurance is, is that feeling that you get when you know and you're confident that something is right. We have assurance when we can see the presence of the Holy Spirit and it's active and living through the way we live our lives. John's going to show us next uh, what the result of a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit looks like. In 14 and 15, he says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. See, John's telling us here that, that a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of the Holy Spirit is that you recognize, you begin to recognize truths about Jesus. He says that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son. We begin to know what it's like to have a relationship with God through the Son that he gave for us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. As believers, we're able to testify these truths because of the word that John gave us and, and the word that Paul and, and Matthew uh, and Luke, they, they wrote these, these books of the Bible, okay? And they had a unique experience with God. They, now, they experienced God a little bit differently because they actually walked with a physical person. They actually walked with Christ, and they, they experienced what it was like to, to see his miracles in person. Now, we don't get the opportunity to do that. But how do we know and how do we have assurance that God is within us? We can see an embodiment by the love that we display. Jesus is uniquely the Son of God and, and a man at once. He shares full attribute with God, yet he's a human. Unlike us, we are, we are sons and daughters of God, but in a different sense. We're adopted sons and daughters of God. Jesus was born from God. And so he shared in those attributes. We must affirm that he's fully human and fully God. And we can do that not just by the words of John and the other apostles, but also by faith, having faith that the love that we see is evidence. Number two, another thing that, another result of the presence of the Holy Spirit is that we have a felt awareness of the love of God. In verse 16, 
says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. When we begin to understand verse 16, assurance of salvation becomes a renewed mindset and heartfelt experience. We have, we have assurance, not just in our minds, but our hearts. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to doubt, because doubt actually can lead you to seek God, and, and I've seen in, in many scenarios and many people's lives where doubt actually draws them so close to God that they see and, and experience God's love in a new way. But as a loving father, God does not want his children, which is us, as, as adopted sons and daughters of him. He doesn't want his children to constantly be fearing that they're lacking something. He doesn't want them to fear that they have um, punishment in, the, in view. He wants his, his children to have the true guidance of the Holy Spirit through love, not fear. See, there, there are enemies out there. The enemy has, has placed people out there that are saying these things like there's two extremes. You got one side that says if you give this much, if you do this much, then you're going to earn proper standing with God. And then there's another extreme where it says you will never do enough. You constantly have to do more and more. And God's telling you through what John was saying that that's not right. We do not have to fear. Jesus came to give us life so that we could live and live abundantly. Our confidence is in him and our strength is in him. We no longer have to worry or fear because our love has been manifested through him. Verses 17 through 19, John goes on to assure us of this once more. He says, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Fear, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. When you grasp the love that God has for you, you no longer doubt that you are assured of your salvation. You no longer have a reason to fear. You no longer have to wonder if your striving here on earth is enough. You don't have to wonder if God's disappointed in you, and you certainly don't have to fear punishment. The punishment that's due for people that neglect the love of Christ. When the love of God dwells within you and the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you, you have assurance to know that you are okay. You have nothing to fear. I think a lot of, the, a lot of times that's difficult for us to grasp. I have trouble myself understanding that there is a God out there that loves me despite the fact that I can't do enough for him. But I think that's the reason that we don't understand we don't understand because God doesn't come to us with the same love that we go to, to him or to others. As natural human beings, we don't have the ability to love like he does. But he comes to us with a perfect love that's outside of our understanding maybe sometimes. He comes to us with no expectation for us to be perfect. See, we doubt because we couldn't possibly do enough or love enough to save ourselves. But the gospel doesn't say that we are to save ourselves. It's that we needed saving and that, that God has already done that work. Jesus has done that work on the cross and you have nothing to fear. The gospel in us compels us to love. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, see we sang in that song, love is not at all what I would have ever dreamed up a definition of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't brag. It's not proud. It doesn't behave itself inappropriately. It doesn't seek its own way. It's not provoked. It keeps no record of wrongdoing. Love 
does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love doesn't seek its own way, but it hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. And that's the glove that God comes to you with. It's a perfect love that not only was um, demonstrated on the cross, but is continually demonstrated through the Holy Spirit. That's the love of God. There's freedom in his love. We no longer have to fear. There are no hindrances and there are no roadblocks. God loves you and you are free to love others. So what then is the essence of our assurance? The essence of our assurance is love that we have for others. This love is a gift from God. I don't think we think about it enough. Um, We didn't deserve the love that Christ showed for us, and we didn't deserve uh, to be saved the way that God did. I mean, he gave his only son for us. That's difficult to grasp again, but um, but it was a gift. So how are we going to use that today? How are we going to use the gift that God gave us through his love? Let me ask this. Are you living in full assurance that God's love for you is dwelling within you? And who is it hard for you to love? Who are those people that, that you struggle to love sometimes? And, and, and what steps can you take to love those people better? What, what is the thing that you can do to love somebody better than we have? For the sake of the gospel and the way that the gospel can spread like wildfire through the way that we, we give of our time, the way that we love others, is going to display to them the love of Christ. We as, as Christians can display to a person that does not know God, we can actually show them what God looks like by the way we love. You can live in the freedom of assurance and walk in the unconditional love of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. It's going to be on the, on the screen up here, but um, don't worry about turning. You can make note of it. Um, but... But Ephesians 3, 18 through 20 says, May you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we, we thank you for the ability to look at your word, and we thank you for, um, for John and just the truth that he, he tells us. God, if we're having trouble loving this morning, if there are certain people that we have difficulty loving, or if there are things that we can do to love better, Lord, I just ask that you would reveal that to us. Place that on our hearts, Lord, and teach us to love more like Jesus did. And even though we don't understand it and even though we have difficulty grasping what love looks like, Lord, teach us further to, to abide in you and just to have assurance, Lord. Give us assurance today. It's in your name that we pray this, Lord, this morning. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave I am a child of God
child 